What's good? Season two. But I'm so happy to be back. I miss this. I missed you too, Matali. I mean, you know, we text or whatever, but it's not the same as talking shit on a mic every week. Exactly. And like, I don't, I'm not a texter. Like, I'm just not good at it. Like, even my family, like, I just don't, I just don't respond a lot of the time. So it's just because anxiety, like I open the text and like, I forget. <laughs> it's fair. So do I. I'm like, I, we used to just do this. Like, were you a kid who like texted a lot in high school and middle school? Mm, I would text like my best friend all the time. But other than that, like it would just be on social media, like literally talking to strangers. Okay. What are we talking about today for our season two, episode one premiere? We're going to talk about something that's relevant for both of us, which is mental illness. And not in like the sense where it's like, I'm feeling anxious or like, I'm so OCD, like actual like diagnosed mental illness. Not that you need a diagnosis, but like it helps and helps you not invalidate your peers who have also been diagnosed. So yeah, we're talking about mental illness. We're talking about disability. We're talking about all of that in reference to BIPOC people, or I don't even need to say BIPOC people. I always just say, I always say the two, even though BIPOC already includes the word people. But Yeah, I get you. We didn't even put this on the um, outline, but I'd love to know, since you kind of brought it up, how you feel about self-diagnosis. I have my own thoughts, and I would love to know what your thoughts are. I mean, I'd be diagnosing shit, like, for myself on WebMD. Like, I'm like, I have IBS, and I have depression, and I have all this stuff. And, like, most of the time, I'm right. I will I will say that. But I don't think it's, like, end-all, be-all at all. Because, like, I'm also known to have, like, hypochondria, like, while well, diagnosing myself. But, like, hypochondria is, like, when you think you have something, even though you probably don't. Like, even as a child, I'm like, I'm sick. I'm going to die. And I'm like looking back, I'm like, girl, you were nine years old. You just had a stomach ache, like calm down. And now it's like, now I've, I think I've gotten better at diagnosing myself. I also don't trust doctors. I don't think a lot of people trust doctors. Like that's just my opinion. I don't think you need a diagnosis to be validated because a lot of people don't have access to that or access to healthcare. So I don't think like it's necessary, but I do think it's harmful when people are like, I have anxiety and it's like, do you though? Or did you just have finals? Like, yeah, you know, but that's my two cents. Like, where's the line? Cause like, yes, it's so true. Like so many people don't have access to healthcare. Self-diagnosing mental illness can often help you like kind of feel like, okay, like I finally understand myself and I get that. But I think that there's also room for error. And I think sometimes it, allows people to 
like claim these really like heavy, like I have OCD or I have bipolar disorder or whatever, and almost like use that as a way to like excuse their behavior because it's like, I feel like I have this thing and I don't have access to medication or therapy because I don't have access to healthcare, but like I'm saying I have this thing. I don't know. I feel like as someone with bipolar disorder, it's hard to, I already have enough problems being diagnosed and taking accountability for my actions. So like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I struggle with the idea of like self-diagnosis because I think it is a really helpful and useful tool, but I worry about the dangers that come with it in terms of like, I feel like sometimes a doctor is the best person to tell you you have this thing versus you just have trauma. I don't know. <laughs> Especially with mental illness. Like I said, like, oh, I was mostly correct about my diagnosis. That was when it came to like bodily, like physiological things. Like I thought I had IBS. I went to the doctor and I actually got diagnosed for IBS. And thank God, because now I feel less crazy about constantly having like stomach problems like I don't feel insane now because it's not like I'm like some victim to circumstance like there's an actual reason why whereas like with mental illnesses I just leave it to the psychiatrist leave it to the um, psychologist leave it to the professionals because I be seeing tweets on my like uh twitter timeline about like ADHD and I'm like wait I do that oh my God, and ADHD is hard to diagnose in women because it's also misinterpreted as these other things. Like maybe I have ADHD and I go down this whole loop, but then I'm just like, it's also an issue of like relatability culture. It's like, oh my God, I'm only having iced coffee today and that's my meal. Like, right, that's so relatable. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just like, it gets to a certain point where it's like, do they really mean it? Or are they just trying to like flex how like mentally ill they are and like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the time it's like a competition. It's like, well, my, you know, I have all three of these diagnoses and then all something on top of that. And it's like, it's not a competition. Like we're literally all hurting. If some, if the past year has, has told us anything is that we're all going through shit. Yeah. I think there's definitely room for misinterpretation. Ultimately the most important thing is accountability. And I feel like that's where, <laughs> some of us tend to be more lacking than others is um, taking accountability for ourselves and our mistakes. Um, and you have to do that regardless of if you have a mental illness or not. So that's fun. Exactly. But yeah, um, we're going to be specifically talking about mental illness in the BIPOC community. And um, I just feel like mental illness within BIPOC, it, it just intuitively like affects Black, Indigenous, and people of color differently because in the United States, for example, like we know that the United States is an oppressor specifically to um, people of color and Black and Indigenous people. Um, and so automatically you're going to be in a position where you're going to have more mental illness related issues because you're constantly fighting a system that like has set you up to fail. Like that's definitely going to be hard on your mental health and your self-esteem. And also like the United States loves to like gaslight you and make you feel like you're crazy for experiencing these things. So I think that that is more than enough to make anybody developed symptoms of anxiety or depression. 
Yeah. And like, there's also like generational trauma, like these Mm -hmm. resources like therapy and meditation and exercise and medication, like all these things have only recently become like kind of wildly available. And even still, they're not completely available to everyone. And our parents and our grandparents didn't really heal from their trauma. They didn't they didn't probably didn't even get a diagnosis for what they were going through. They were just like, just stop being sad, go for a walk. I know that's what my parents told me. Like they didn't have access to these resources. So not only do you have your own like issues and trauma, you're also carrying the burden of like family cycles of trauma and like breaking that cycle is a work. It is hard work. It's like I'm comparing it to working out because like that's yeah. definitely the most difficult one of the most difficult things for me is like breaking a sweat like it is hard mental work but in the end like it's for the betterment of yourself and hopefully others but like I'm very like individualistic in the way that's like you can't really change others and their mental illness like they have to take it upon themselves and be like I want to fix this instead of wreaking havoc on others all the time but yeah there's generational trauma that's very unique to BIPOC communities, it's built into the fabric of our genetics. Like it's literally genetics influence everything. And if we have trauma in our blood and in our genes, it's going to show. And it has. And that's why it shows that BIPOC people, research has shown BIPOC more susceptible, not only to mental illness, but substance abuse issues, because most of the people that have substance abuse issues are people with mental illness. That's why addiction and mental illness are so uniquely intertwined. Like, I don't think I've ever seen someone who's had an addiction that hasn't been struggling with something mentally as well. I think in the Black community in particular, like, let's say you were born into a family that, you know, is middle class and might be able to afford to take you to therapy or somebody in your family has health insurance. Like, I think religion also, like, sometimes gets in the way of, our problems being taken care of, like, um, I think there is just this idea that, like, you can think it away, or you can pray it away, or you can just read the Bible, and everything's just gonna be fine. Baptism is huge in the Black community, and I could go on a whole rant about why Black people are attached to Christianity. That's an episode for another day, I think. You know, this idea that, like, slaves were able to get through slavery through christianity and through the bible and like that should be able to like save us from our problems like mm, or like a professional who like can prescribe me with medication and like coping mechanisms i think is way more equipped than jesus is i don't know like you know he's cool or whatever but i don't think that that's what's going to heal me from my trauma ultimately um I think there are real tangible things that have been used to, um, you know, make me feel okay. So literally, and it's so on trend for America being like, hmm, I don't like science. How about we read this four bazillion year old book and that'll help me instead of all these research backed, like peer reviewed scholarly articles, studies that have proven the positive effects of therapy, meditation, exercise, medication. Um, I know they're doing like trials to treat PTSD with shrooms. That's great. Not for me, but it, you know, it works for somebody. That's great. But I don't know what it is about this recent trend of being like, right, you know, it's probably not recent at all. It's literally just 
old people being like, well, in the old days, we just, you know, cried ourselves to sleep. Like, what's the problem? Like, it's all fine. And it's like, you know how much research and resources we have now? Are you an idiot to just say, no, this book, this book that doesn't even say a word about mental illness, but instead tells stories is going to help me. I'm not saying it can't help you. I'm just saying, why Why can't it be a cocktail of things? Why does it have to include one and only one? Those people that are like, yeah, ever since the gym closed, like, my therapy is gone. Like, right. you only have one coping mechanism. Bitch, I have 15. <laughs> like, I just, I mean, obviously, like, everybody's different, and that's great. But it's like, only relying on one thing, you know, I don't know. That's not for me. I think it even goes beyond, like, only relying on but one thing and more so like relying on things that aren't rooted in science and like you know like church is cool i'm not saying like for people who identify as a religious person or a spiritual person that i don't know i think of myself as spiritual sometimes not necessarily religious but spiritual um but there there's so many resources at this point and i know not everybody has access to those resources, but I feel like if you do, like, why are you denying yourself the opportunity to use those? Like, it's like, I don't know, if you break a bone, like, you're going to go to the hospital and have them put it in a cast so your bone will heal. You're not going to say, oh, I'm going to pray it away. Like, that pain is still there and it's still going to exist and you're still going to be without a leg. Like, it's the same thing when you have a chemical imbalance in your brain. Like, You can't just be like, oh, like, if I pray it away, like, it'll go away. It doesn't work like that. There are, and even if, like, you know, there's a higher power involved with it, that means that higher power has provided us with resources and science to be able to, to use. Like, I don't know if you, you know, even if you do believe that, like, uh, God exists or the universe or some sort of higher power exists, that means that that person that entity has provided us with resources to be able to heal ourselves that go beyond just like asking for them so they're already here like i don't know i feel like there there's just a lot to to unpack there in terms of religion and how that affects us mentally and emotionally and i know we have a religion episode which is like in season one if you haven't heard it um where we kind of talk about some of this stuff in depth but I definitely think it's relevant. Yeah, I, I feel like in our other episode about religion, it was more so how it's not inclusive to um, people of color or like, I actually know it is pretty inclusive to people of color, depending on their religion. Um, but like, it's not, you know, welcoming people in the LGBTQIA community with open arms, right? It's very um, kind of divisive and yeah, it's it. You can watch that episode. It's honestly amazing. But th- in in this context, we're more so talking about how religion is being used as a substitute for what is really, at the end of the day, a health issue, right? Like we were talking earlier, like you you break your foot, like mm-hmm. you can't, like you're not going to pray it away. Like I hate when people are like, it's all in your mind. Like if you just like just hone in on the power of your mind, like you can talk yourself out of anything. It's like, is that what you told to the kid that broke his arm? Oh, dude, you know, but at the end of the day, like it's all in your arm, you know, just do some stretches. Just, just walk it off, dude. Like it's, it's really, people have it worse. Okay. People have it worse. Like, like, I don't understand why your brain is different than any other organ in the body. 
if you have a kidney infection, do you just let it fester and spread? Which is why, like, I feel like for my mm-hmm. parents, like, when I had to get a diagnosis, not had to, but it was like, I was dealing with these issues. And my parents were like, what's wrong with her? Like, I finally went to the doctor and I got the diagnosis of like, what major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. And this was at 16. So it honestly could have changed. And so like, that's why I feel like the language around mental illness needs to change because I literally log on to social media every day and someone's just like, I'm so OCD. Like I had to organize everything. And it's like, you don't even know what the actual symptoms of OCD are. Like, it's not about being organized. It's about repetitive actions. It's about checking things over and over again. Like you don't even like you're literally misusing an illness. It's it's actual stupidity, like the way that people have kind of made things like anxiety, depression, triggered trauma, bipolar, like a buzzword. And it makes it feel like the people who are actually experiencing that, it delegitimizes what they're going through. Like, I literally couldn't say the word triggered for like a year because people would be like, you're triggered, millennial snowflake. And it's like, no, like I actually have trauma. And then when I say trauma, they're like, oh my God, getting my iced coffee without oat milk was so traumatic for me. It's like, cool. Thanks. Like, I feel super validated right now. Not to say that the mind isn't a powerful thing, because the mind is a very, very powerful organism. There are, there are coping mechanisms, literally like grounding is one of my favorite, where, um, you know, if you're in a state of panic or anxiety, um, and you bring yourself back to reality by, you know, paying attention to the things around you and realizing you're in a certain place, and it helps you bring yourself out of like PTSD episodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there are definitely coping mechanisms and things that you can use where the mind is definitely a strong muscle. Um, but I think it becomes problematic when we expect people to who don't have access to coping mechanisms to just like get over it or um, to feel like they're less than because they have issues. Um, And as a neurotypical person, like you're perfectly capable of getting yourself out of those situations. I think that can be very um, traumatic. In terms of language, yeah. um, Like I said, I have bipolar disorder and like even in just like a a work meeting a couple weeks ago, somebody was saying that the weather happened really bipolar the other day and I'm I'm at a new job so I didn't really say anything when it happened um but I think like language matters so much and when we take words that don't mean certain things um we take the power out of those words and then they just become like things that when people hear them they don't take them seriously i think trauma and triggered are really really good examples of that um i think like ocd for example as well probably one of the most common i hear i think it's so interesting because as someone who's been around like diagnosed mentally ill people but also just like around a therapist and a psychiatrist and a psychologist all the time like there are certain behaviors that like I see in my head and like I 
feel like I kind of have an idea of like where that can stem from, but I'm not a doctor and I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a psychologist. So there's no way for me to really be like, oh, you have this diagnosis. Like, I don't know. I feel like we take power out of words like OCD so often by minimizing it to like, oh, I'm able to organize things or one day I was happy and the other day I was sad. So I must be bipolar. Like, (laughs) (laughs) the level of psychosis bro that comes with living in a body that has bipolar disorder is like so frightening so to have it like reduced and minimized to that it's just like really disgusting and I think like there's just like a lot of work that goes into maintaining what to me is like stability in a semi-normalized life one of those being medication Um, And I think like, there's just so many stigmas within the mental health community and medication is another one of them. It's like, I don't but I don't want to like rely on it. Like, I don't want to like get addicted. Like, I don't understand what is so brave or like heroic about dealing with your mental illness without medication, because what it actually does is make your life and everyone else's life around you a living hell. And I'm not saying you're obligated to go on medication. You, if you don't want the side effects, like that's an argument that we can talk about. Like, I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, loss of libido. I don't want to deal with those things. Like, that's fine. But it's like, if you're doing it because if you're not taking medication because you're trying to prove something, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the whole stigma against medication. Like, my parents were super against me getting on med- medication, but like, what people fail to realize is it gets you to a starting point where you're like, I can work from here. Without medication, it's really hard to, to start the race. Because if we're thinking about, you know, healing, healing ourselves inside out as like a race or a marathon, when you're mentally ill and you're really, really low, like you're down bad, you probably can't get out of bed, let alone get in the car, drive to the marathon, you know, wear your clothes, brush your teeth. You can't even get out of bed. How are you supposed to show up and do better when you're so debilitated when every, and that's what people don't understand what depression is and or like anxiety. It's where regular parts of life you're unable to do. I remember one time, like I was at the doctor and like, I was telling her like, I'm really depressed. And she's like, well, if you were like really depressed, like you probably wouldn't be wearing makeup. You probably wouldn't have showered. You probably would be wearing the same clothes you've been wearing for a week. And I was, at the time I was like, stop gaslighting me. Like I am sad, but it's like, there's a spectrum, right? If you're really, really down bad, really, really down bad, where you can't even put clothes on, like, or like brush your teeth, like you need help getting to a starting point. And it's not because it's a personal failure. It's because there's a chemical imbalance in your brain. You've been traumatized, a handful of different things that it could be. But it's like, it's not a personal failure that you have to get on medication. I don't know why people treat it like that. Medication's a bitch. Um, It took them nine tries to figure out which um, medication worked for me in terms of bipolar disorder. I went through so many different trials and tribulations Lithium made me throw up every single night. There was one that like blurred my vision. Like I had to wear glasses. I couldn't see like medication. Trying medication fucking sucks. Like I get why some people don't want to dip their toes there because it fucking sucks. I have a friend who, um, you know, has chosen, even though she has bipolar disorder, not to be on medication because the couple of times that 
she had tried it like it just the side effects were so uncomfortable and like it it's it's a battle like trying to figure out what works for you sometimes some people get it right on the first try but not everybody does so i understand that there is like a level of hesitancy that comes but there definitely is a stigmatization that comes with medication that i think comes from other people like you don't need medication um again like you can just you should just pray it away or like you, you the mind is so strong. You can get yourself out of anything. Like there's really no shame in taking medication. I think, you know, the opioid crisis is like a real thing. So like some people, there really are issues with like being addicted to medication. Like I don't, I don't see any of those things as like invalid reasons to um, want to go on medication. I just think there's like, and I think it is a really big thing within the BIPOC community, definitely, that medication is considered even more so, like, something that you don't need, like, or that you're able you're able to just do it on your own. I think that was such a good example of, like, it's, you can't run the marathon if you're not even able to get out of bed to, like, get to the race. Like, I think there's no, there's absolutely no shame in being like, I need these pills. I, I feel so much better on medication. And it's also like, just like having a diagnosis and working with a doctor who's able to prescribe me medication, like definitely validates me into saying like, I'm not crazy, you know? Um, or, you know, I am a little crazy, but at least I know how to like get to where, um, it's fixable, I guess. Like, and just understanding like who I am as a person has just made things so much easier for me. So I, I, medication is such like a complicated thing. And I think it's such a personal choice for everybody, but I don't want anybody to be discouraged like you know it took me nine tries or whatever but here i am i don't know (laughs) yeah girl no yeah it took me not nine times because i'm a baby and there's also so many different um antidepressants you can take i don't know if it's the same for bipolar disorder but like since it is more widely um like it's a more like common mental one of the most common mental illness if not the most common like I had a lot of options which was really great but yeah I think I tried like Wellbutrin I didn't like that and then one other one and I was foggy and like I think it was like the third one I think that um I settled on and it was most people take SSRIs for um uh antidepressants but I take an SNRI which um I forget what it does, but it, it treats a lot of different things. But yeah, it didn't come on the first try, right? Like, and it takes time. It takes at least two weeks for it to start working, at least for antidepressants. I don't know if it's the same for bipolar meds. Yeah, it takes time. It's not like, hmm, I didn't feel good today. Let me try a different one tomorrow. No, like you, it's, it takes time. So definitely like if, if it's intimidating to you, like totally understand totally understand why you don't want to take medication as long as it's for the right reasons like we're chilling yeah like if you don't want to like there are a lot of resources out there like if you don't if you don't think you can afford therapy I really encourage you to like if you're in school or you have a job like I know like oh it's it's a privilege to even have those two things like in the pandemic right now but you know they'll often have something like colleges, especially in high school counselors, like they can either help you or they can like kind of lead you to someone who can help you like outside of school, you know, there's sliding scale payment options. 
Um, and then there's also people on Instagram, which have really, really helped me personally, because one thing that um, the holistic psychologist on Instagram says is like her community is called self healers because therapy is like one hour out of like a week. And that's if you go every week, right? There's a lot of time where shit can really hit the fan, right? And so kind of creating your own kind of effort to like heal yourself requires a lot of personal work. It requires journaling, meditation, exercise, all these different things that are like committing to your journey. Like it's not just going to therapy once a week and being done because a lot can happen in between therapy sessions. Like trust me. But yeah, like there's a lot of people on Instagram you can follow. Like um, I think there's like moving parts therapy. I follow like so many therapists on Instagram. Like the cutest like little infographics. Social media in general is just such a powerful tool. I have quite a few people who I follow on Twitter who also have bipolar disorder. And like sometimes it's just like nice to kind of kiki about having like similar experiences. Right. <laughs> I have so many like memes saved my phone that are like hilarious. And then, you know, also like I run wellness online, which has been really great. Uh, Mental health is such a journey. Also, like with medication, another thing too is like once you get on something like they have to wean you off of that shit, which is like so annoying because you're like, I didn't like this. And they're like, well, you have to take it for six more weeks and like minimal doses. So fuck. Mental illness is a bitch. That might be the name of the episode. Honestly, yeah, I like that. But, um, you know, like we're all going through it um, and you'll get through it too. Um, You know, just like treat yourself every once in a while if you have the opportunity to. I know capitalism sometimes can sell us self-care in like a bath bomb or a face mask, but sometimes self-care is going on a walk or um, meditating or reading a good book or, you know, just allowing yourself time to like be away from your responsibilities. I know it can be difficult when you're like, I can't even fucking afford to pay rent this month. Like there are ways to take care of yourself that are 100% within your capabilities. So you just have to figure that out. You got this. You got this bitch. You do. You're a bad bitch and you can do it. You got this far. That's what I tell myself. Like, you've gotten this far. Has it been hell? Yes. But it might not be tomorrow. And I'm going to operate on that hope. That's what I've been doing for, like, the past year. Um, Currently, you know, it's okay. We're making it through. Yeah. And ultimately, like, uh, my one of my mantras is always, like, I'm okay. Because ultimately, like, yeah. Any time anything really bad happens, anytime anything really, really good happens, like ultimately like you're okay because you're surviving in that moment. So, um, and you've gotten, you've survived through everything else thus far. So you're perfectly capable of, of surviving through something else. So not that like surviving is fun. Um, trauma sucks. Surviving is fu- sucks. Like, no. I hate that shit. Like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like, no, what doesn't kill me gave me trauma. No, literally. And I'm trying to recover from that. So um, I don't really believe in that. But I am saying that, like, ultimately, you are, you can do it. And there are so many, there are so many, like, Wellness Online is completely free. Um, there, There are definitely resources out there that are there to help you. So, yeah. Yeah, and social media is free. 
meditation apps like Insight Timer are free. Like there are so many resources. Like if you're listening to this and you have my number, like text me and be like, I need resources and I'll hook you up. Yeah, we got you. We got you. Period. Period. One thing my first therapist used to say is this too shall pass, which is another way of saying nothing is forever. It's temporary. It's true. And you can create the life you want. Is that season two, episode one? Here we go, bitch. We're starting this season off hot and poppin'. Hot and poppin'. And we have some like really dope ideas in store for this season. So I'm really excited for y'all to be along for the ride with us. 